Thank you, worship team. My name is uh, Eric. I'm the lead pastor here at Alpine Church in Riverdale. I'm glad to be here with you today. And we are in this new series called The Pursuit. And what The Pursuit is, is we have this, we have this website, pursuegod.org. And on that website, the whole thing is dedicated to discipleship. And what that really is, is having conversations about faith, all right? And so there are these little snapshots and five to seven minute videos that explain theology or a topic, some kind of practical issue, marriage, parenting, life resources, but it's all designed to equip people to start a pursuit of God or help other people pursue God. And that's our mission statement anyways, to help people pursue God. And so we have this as a series that we like everybody to go through, and we decided this summer, let's just take everybody through it. Um, it is designed to be used in small groups or one-on-one -on -one conversations. You can share it, um, you know, share links with your phone, but we're going to go through this today. It's going to be an 11-week track. It's basically some of the basics of Christianity. Um, we're going to get into some doctrine, theology, and then we'll talk about what it means to make disciples. And so I'm excited for this series and to be with you guys here today. The question I want you to ponder today is this, why pursue God? Why should I take the time to pursue this being that I don't even know exists or I can't see or feel or so many things has happened in my life and maybe you feel like he hasn't answered you and so the question, why would I spend time pursuing God? What, what's so important about doing that, right? As I said in the prayer, like, there are so many paths out there in the world to follow, so many ideas of what faith is and religion is, and so many people out there that say, you should just follow what's best for you, follow your feelings, right? I, I found this uh, the other day when I was, when I was uh, getting ready for this sermon, follow your dreams, <laughs> And I don't know why this dog, by the way, the, this dog has become famous over the past couple of years. I think they have a dog. It's like the, you know, the mascot for some Bitcoin, I think, right? Dogecoin or something like that. I don't know why this dog has become so famous and popular. I used to have a dog like this. It's called a Shiba Inu. And they are kind of crazy and they look like that. So they catch your attention. But, but somehow this is, this is what the world says. Follow your dreams, right? And it's so fitting to have this weird, crazy dog looking at us while, while we're saying that. But follow your dreams, follow your passion, follow your heart. We live in a society where emotions and feelings have been elevated above truth, right? Can I get an amen to that? So many, so many feelings drive everything that we do now. And if we're not more feelings-oriented than we are truth-oriented, somehow we're hateful and rude and mean and... And so there are so many, you know, feelings. The problem with feelings is they're so subjective. Everybody has different ones and they feel different things all the time. And so the world says, you know, you only knew, you know what's true for you and what's true for you might not be true for me, but that just seems to be not logical, right? Like it's, it's a little bit irrational because truth is something that can't be changed. But this is what the world says, right? Follow your heart, follow your passions. And, and, and it's been told to be a good thing. We tell it to kids all the time. We probably even say it to ourselves or to our spouse or to our friends when they're going through a tough time. And we just get distracted by our own desires. We make up our own religion, our own faith, and, and we're God. We're God on the throne. I was on my way to church here today and um, I get easily distracted by things. And 
I was passing these really cool rock crawler type things. Like there's like uh, side by sides and Hummers and they were probably all headed to Moab and I was like tempted as I got to my exit if I was just gonna keep following them. You know, I was like, that looks really fun. I wanna go do that. I wanna follow my dreams. I wanna follow my desires. But here I am getting off the exit, coming to church here today. And because, because I know that I can't always trust my feelings, my desires, and they don't always lead me to the right place. Um, and and here's, a, here's something very interesting from Ecclesiastes 12. The writer says, don't let the excitement of your youth cause you to forget your creator. Honor him in your youth before you grow old and say life is not pleasant anymore. Some people just don't like to think about eternal things. They don't like to think about God, right? Be- probably because either one, they're distracted or they're having so much fun that they think God's a killjoy, or the other is they live in so much shame and guilt that they feel like God doesn't want anything to do with them. Isn't that correct? I think there's two camps of people. It's either you live in pride and you, you're the God of your own life and you've, you've got it all figured out for yourself and things aren't that bad. You don't need a savior. You don't need anything, right? You, you're doing well for yourself. And I think this verse is saying, don't forget your creator. Don't let the distractions out there in the world, your dreams, your desires, your passions become your God. Remember your creator because this is true for everyone in life. One day life is going to smack you in the face. And I know that personally. I know that all too well. One day things aren't going to be going all that well. And one day at the end of our life, we're going to answer for everything that we did in this life. But the problem is, is it's, it's so hard to think about eternity when I'm struggling day by day by day, right? I don't want to think about that. I got this life to live, right? I got every day I've got to follow and I got these stresses and, and struggle, struggles and trials that I've got to make it through. And so I don't want to think about the afterlife. And I think that's what a lot of people think is, is that a relationship with God is only about eternity, only about the afterlife. And so, again, we have this mantra saying, yeah, you don't, don't worry about that. What's inside of you is good, right? Trust yourself. <laughs> only, only you know what is right. And I think, again, I see this stuff posted on social media all the time, like trying to encourage people. And it sounds good. Man, when I'm living in my sin or if I'm in a fight with, with, with my wife or, you know, doing something self-justifying myself, I want to hear this. Trust yourself. You're right, Eric. Only you know what's good for you. Only you know what's right. But the problem with this is that this guy thinks he's doing well and he's going to make it, but he's not. He's not going to make it. He's going he's to hit that ledge and he's going to fall down to a terrible death. Now, I, I know that sounds kind of morbid a little bit, but that's, that's the reality, though. You know, the, the world wants to help us, you know, think that we've got this thing licked and handled, and you've just got to conjure up some in, inner, inner truth and inner feelings, and you're going to make it. But sadly, this thing is broken, and we can't trust ourselves. You know, here's what the Bible says. Uh, here's what Paul himself, a Christian man, says. I don't really understand myself, for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I end up doing what I hate. I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. 
I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. How many can relate with this? We want to do good. We want to do the right thing. Deep down inside, we know what is good and right and true, and we want to love others, and we want to put people before ourselves, and we want to make the sacrifices. We want to keep from that temptation. We want to keep from that addiction. We want to not watch that thing that makes us feel so guilty, but for some reason, we don't have ultimate control over ourselves. And that's really the truth about us. That's really the truth about you and me is, honestly, we can't necessarily be trusted to, to do this thing on our own. And that's why I would say for you, if you're here today, whether you're in the camp of, you know, everything's going well for you, I've got this, I don't really need God, I would say, you know, back in Jesus' day, there were people like that too, and I would say that they're the Pharisees, you know? Whether, whether you've got it all together, you don't really need God, or you're a very religious person and, and prideful and you think you're doing everything right, that's the Pharisee that Jesus had to deal with, and then there's also the sinner. Maybe you're here you're today and you, you, you relate more with the person who's made a lot of mistakes, struggled a lot, made those decisions that you didn't want to do, but you did it anyway. You keep... Living in this cycle, maybe addiction, shame, guilt, leads you to this place where you think that God doesn't want anything to do with you. See, they're the people, they don't want anything to do with God, and then there's the group that says, God doesn't want anything to do with me. And I think Jesus came for both of those people. Jesus came for, for everyone, but the problem is, is that it's easier to find God when you're humble rather than prideful. And so sometimes we have to admit, okay, I don't have this all together. And so for that first group of people, I would say that Jesus is not waiting for you to clean yourself up before you can come to him. No, this is what Jesus did. He didn't avoid the broken and the lost. He sought them out. You know, when I understood that for my life, because I was one of those people, I relate with the sinner, right? the person who lived for my own desires. I thought there was, I pursued passions, hobbies, you know, career. I thought that I was gonna find happiness in all of my obsessions. I'm an obsessive person, everything I do, I kind of do it to the extreme. And, and there's so many things, right? The gym, health, career, uh, you know, happiness, friendship, partying, whatever I could do to fill my life with this, this void that I had, none of it led me to where I ultimately truly found any joy or any pur purpose or peace. And, but when I understood that Jesus wasn't looking down on me in disgust, but he was actually coming to find me. He was searching me out. He loved me anyway. I was, I was just floored by that. I said, man, if he loves me that much, maybe I should start to pursue him a little bit, you know? He's pursuing me. Maybe I should find out who this guy is. It reminds me of a story in the Bible. There was a leper in Matthew chapter 8, verses 2 and 3. Suddenly a man with leprosy approached Jesus and knelt before him. Lord, the man said, if you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean. Jesus reached out and touched him. I am willing, he said, be healed. And instantly the leprosy disappeared. Now, back in that day, you know, if you were a leper, if you had leprosy, you, there wasn't a whole lot of like, you know, medical 
technology and, and education back then, you were banished outside of the town. You were banished outside of the camp. People weren't allowed to talk to you or touch you or even come close to you. Imagine the shame that this person feels. Imagine how it feels to be outcasted from society. Basically, so depressed and probably getting close to the end of a person's life, he has this glimmer of hope and he's heard about this man named Jesus. Maybe this Jesus can help me. Maybe Jesus can come into my life. Maybe he can change my circumstances. Maybe he can do something for me before I die. I don't know, maybe I need to be right with God before I die. I should reach out to him. And he, in this little bit of faith that he has, he reaches out and he says, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Like I've heard about the power that you've had. I've heard about the miracles that you can do. And if you're willing to do that for me, I believe you. And what happens? Jesus says, I am willing. Of course I'm willing. Why haven't you asked sooner? It's such a beautiful story of, of what maybe you and I might be going through. When we hide in our guilt and our shame and in our depression and wondering if God wants anything to do with us, instead of feeling like we can freely come to the Lord, we, we hide. But if we had that little bit of faith and said, Jesus, could you do something for me? Could you love me? Could you forgive me? Could you help my relationships? Could you heal me? If we had that faith, what is that thing that you have right now in your life? I want you to think about that. What are you ashamed of like this leper? What brings you guilt? What keeps you up at night sometimes? What do you have to keep stuffing? What is that thing that you have to keep stuffing? Have you talked to the Lord? Have you sought, have you started pursuing God? You see, this is the right way to come to him. Are you willing, Lord? I believe that you have the power. As I said before, it's harder for a person with pride to, to really even acknowledge they have anything wrong with them at all. And here's what Jesus says about that. I have come to call not those who think that they are righteous, but those who know that they are sinners. The Pharisees back in Jesus' day were like, hey, we don't like you going around, hanging out with tax collectors, sinners, and prostitutes. You should be honoring us. We're the people that have been, you know, keeping things straight for you. We're the ones who's followed all of your laws. And Jesus says, it's sad that you still don't see your need for me. You think that you're following all these laws and rules, but you guys are hypocrites. And so it's hard for prideful people to come to the Lord, if we, we would acknowledge our sickness, I guess, would be my, my encouragement to you, my, 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 my sole persuasion for you today would, would be to consider who, who do you think you really are really and, and how much do you really need Jesus? How much do you think that you need him? You know, God's not up there like, hey, I only want this, this certain few people. These other people are just garbage to me. You know, God's not like saying, I'm waiting for so many people to come to me and then I'm done with the rest of you. God is willing. It's his heart that all men would come to him. Here's what First uh, Timothy says in verse two. This is good. He's talking about we should, as Christians, we should be praying for all people. And he says, this is good and it's pleasing in the sight of God our Savior who desires all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. God's heart is for people. 
A lot of times people think God is like this angry judge up there, angry at everyone, and he's just like, hey, I did all this stuff, and you just need to follow it, and when you don't, like, okay, then you're done. You're going to hell. Like, that's, I think that's what people think that God is. But the reality is, is that God's heart is for people. The problem is our hearts aren't for God. We've been distracted by the world. We've, we've sadly gone after our own desires and passions rather than considering even. Even giving God a consideration as my creator. What do you want me to do? What's my purpose in life? And so sadly, a majority of the world will not come to the Lord. And a lot of times I think people think, well, it's because it's like a killjoy. It's not going to be fun, you know. Following the Lord is lame, right? I got to give up all this fun. And I'll say this, yes, you know, sin, sin is fun, otherwise people wouldn't do it. It wouldn't be such a temptation. But you can have fun without sin. There's a lot of joy in the Lord. But a lot of people think, like, God just wants me to, like, fall in line, be a robot, and, um, you know, not really have any joy. And I, I have a, someone who's really close to me. I asked her, I said, do you ever see yourself, you know, having a lifestyle different than the one that you have? Do you ever see yourself, like, not always needing to, to be drunk and to smoke pot and to, to, to have the, the desires of life, you know, like the overeating and just the overindulging of everything and, and, and seeking after everything's about you, this selfish life. Do you ever see yourself not living that way? And she says to me, no, that would be lame. <laughs> and, and you know what? I, I think I used to live that way. I used to think, yeah, I mean, I, I need all this stuff to be happy. I need everything out there. I believe the lie. I need all of this excitement to, to find true fulfillment. Like, and that's what life is like for a lot of people. They think that their, their whole pursuit of life is to, to find what pleases them. That's their lot in life. But I'm here to say that a pursuit of God, it's not just about eternity and afterlife, but it's also about your everyday. It can change everything. Starting here and now, everybody thinks like, uh, I'll, I'll come back to God when I'm about to die, right? Like when I have time. Right now, I don't have any time. I'm just so busy, you know, worshiping myself and, you know, worshiping other things and, and making an idol out of everything else in life. When I have some time later on in life, I'll come to God and say, all right, God, now that I've, I'm tired and, you know, I, I'm thinking about death, I'll come to you. You would be extremely lucky if you knew what time that would be. None of us know when that's going to be. But then again, do we really want to seek out our creator or do we really want to stay on the throne? Do we want to step off the throne and submit to the Lord or do we want to stay on the throne and be our own God? But I'm, I'm here to, again, to persuade you that a pursuit of God can change your life here and now. Eternal life actually starts now when you trust in Jesus. And it's not just about the afterlife. Here's what Jesus says, John 10, 10. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I've come that they may have life and have it to the full. Another, ver another version of this says abundant life. I've came to give you abundant life. 
You think all of that stuff out there in the world that Satan is actually in control of, you think the things that he tells you to do and that the world tells you to do are going to give you abundant life, but they leave you empty. But I've come that you may have a full life, rich and satisfying life. It doesn't mean it's not without pain and struggle and trials, but yet there is a joy that overcomes a lot of those things. And so here at Alpine Church, you know, we've kind of put it in a simple way. What does a pursuit of God then look like? How do I get this life, this abundant life? And so we've kind of put it in this like circular diagram. We believe a full circle pursuit of God, the full life, starts by trusting Jesus. Then you learn to live to honor God and then you start to go and make disciples. That is the key to life. That is the abundant life. And again, you're thinking, where am I on that? <laughs> where am I on that diagram? It seems to be all about God and other people. Well, yes, that's it. this is what I would have to say is if you think you got to sacrifice something, yeah, you might have to sacrifice a selfish life to follow God. But let me break this down a little bit for you. As we've talked about Romans 3.23, we're made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. This is true for anyone who believes, no matter who we are. This is the only way to start a relationship with God. It's the one way. Now, there's a lot of people out there in the world, and there's a certain person that I'm thinking right now that runs this talk show. She's very famous. I'm not going to drop names because I'm trying to get away from doing that. I do that a lot. And, but... She says, there's, there's, everybody, there's multiple paths to God. Everybody finds their way. Every religion somehow makes it to God, but the Bible is, is clear when it says, no, there's only one way, and it's through believing in Jesus Christ. And even a lot of people who believe in Jesus Christ have it wrong because they think it's like, okay, I gotta be worthy of Jesus Christ, right? I've gotta live up to his standards, and then he'll forgive me. But the Bible says, no. While we were still sinners, Christ came and died for us. It's by faith alone, through grace alone, in Christ alone. That is the only way you can start a relationship with God. People have a problem with this. We're going to get into this more um, throughout the series. But this is how you start a relationship with God through Jesus. And then you go to live a life now that honors God. And 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and the new life has begun. You know, the Bible helps us to understand this picture of spiritual life. There's a natural life and you're born. You know, life starts at conception and then you're born and then you grow up and there's all these stages of life. And then there's, but there's also this spiritual life that talks about being born again. Because the Bible says that we're dead in our trespasses and sins and our spirit is dead and we need to be made alive. We need to be born afresh. And so when a person trusts in Jesus, the spirit comes into them and they start to grow now spiritually. Kind of a lot like our natural life, but now spiritually. Now, the difference is, is people grow at different rates in different times. It's not as laid out as the human life, but... The spiritual life starts to grow. A new life begins. The old person starts to die off. That's a lifelong process. We learn to honor God. We look at the word. What does it say? How do I honor God? I love him. I love others. I, I follow the things he said to do. Not perfectly. We're all going to mess up, and that's where we need to go back. Trust Jesus because he forgave us of our sins, past, present, and future. Man, I, I just got to clear this up really quick. 
there's a lot of people that misunderstand the gospel and, the, and they say, man, if I sin, don't I actually have to do something to make God happy with me again, again and forgive me? And I ask the question, how could you possibly remember all the sins that you've ever committed? That's impossible. You know, the Bible says he died once for all time. When we trust in him, we are covered by the blood. Even when we do sin and we struggle, we've been forgiven of that. Jesus knows. It's not like as if, oh man, I can't believe you did that. God is outside of time. He knows everything. When he died for our sins, he looked at our entire life and said, I forgive all of that. I forgive everything. That's a hard concept for people to understand. That's why I, can, I encourage you to continue to pursue God. It doesn't just stop here, though, with learning you know, what the Bible says and all of that type of stuff. But then, to go full circle, now we pour into other people. We make disciples. Jesus says, before he left earth, this is the last thing he said, go and make disciples of all nations. That's why the church, churches exist. Now, some churches get this wrong, and they think it's all about this little club. We're going to be as holy as we possibly can, and it's us four and no more. You know, you guys are out. We're in. We're the holy people. You're not. You know, no, this is not why the church exists not to be a club. The church is a family. It is a kingdom. It is a people that is going out into the world, representing Jesus to everyone, telling them what Jesus did in other in, in your life, basically. And so when I think about the abundant life, this is where it really stirs up in me because I never thought I was such a selfish person my entire life. Addiction, I was in addiction. Addiction is such a selfish thing. You know, it's like need to get my next fix to feel better, to, to, to mask how I'm feeling or whatever it is. And when I understood God loved me and he forgave me and he's cleaned me up and he set me. He didn't just save me from hell and save me from my sin, but he saved me for something too. He, he saved me to get involved in his work. It gave me a purpose. And he said, I want you to now go share this with other people. And, I, and I'm not saying, you know, everybody's got to be a pastor. As a matter of fact, I wouldn't recommend it. All right. But, 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 but in my life, he gave me this purpose to go and help other people. And yes, I still struggle with selfishness, but I think he gave me this job. More than that you guys need it, I need it. Because I need to be reminded that this life is about other people. Jesus modeled that. He was about other people. He sacrificed his life for other people. And, and in doing so, I'm like, I'm just overwhelmed with, wow, God, like I see it now. I see that this is what you wanted me to do. I see that I'm called to love other people and not be about myself. I see that I'm called to glorify you with my life. And so I believe all believers are called to the Great Commission to go and make disciples. That's why we're so big about pursuing God. That's why we have that website. That's why we're going through this series, by the way, is everybody in some way, shape, or form, whatever lifestyle you're living, career that you have, use that to glorify God and to share him with other people. Now, maybe you're here today and you're like, all right, well, um, I don't, I don't really know. I guess it's up to me. You know, I got to make this decision all by myself and, and, uh, maybe, maybe God will accept me. Um, if I start this pursuit, maybe, you know, someone else that feels that way and you can share this with, but I would encourage you with this last thing. God was pursuing you way before you ever started pursuing him. 
Now, that's a deep statement. It gets into some deep theology we're not going to have time for. We'll get into it. But this whole idea of pursuing God as if, like, we exist without this, these outer, you know, like, people have this weird idea about free will, like, as if we're not being influenced by these other powers that are greater than us out there in the world. Well, God is an influencer. God uh, directs people's paths. He causes things. He puts obstacles in our way to try to get us to wake up sometimes. God is in control more than you and I could even know or fathom. And God is pursuing people way before they ever thought about trusting in Jesus. And here's an amazing uh, story or a verse from, from David. You guys all probably have heard of King David, the guy who killed Goliath. Here's what David says in Psalm 139, 16. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. You see, David was a man after God's own heart, but way before David ever got to that place in his life, he acknowledges that God was pursuing him every day, every sin that David was going to commit, every great thing he was going to do for the Lord. It was all written down in a book, in God's book, before it ever happened. God is in control of David's life, and he was weaving and moving and shaping. And yes, David still had will to do things good and bad and sin, but God is ultimately drawing people to himself. He's drawing David. He's drawing you. If you're here today, it's not a coincidence I don't, think, I don't believe in coincidences, but I do know that God is the great sovereign ruler who can make things come to pass if he wants. Thank God he did that in my life. But it doesn't even just stop there with him pursuing us. But here's the great thing that we, we kind of talked about. One of my favorite verses. And we know that those, for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of the, his son. You know, did you know that that's what being a Christian means? Like, it means little Christ. God wants us to be like his son. And so the first thing he had to do is send his son to die for us. And so now we have this model example of a sacrificial, other-centered life to be empowered by the Spirit now to go and be little Christ out there in the world representing him. That's what, G that's what God has for us. That is the purpose for every Christian. Now, it's going to play out in all kinds of different ways, different career paths, different gifts, different uh, serving capacities, different influential circles that you live in. But God has this, this and, and again, you've heard of predestination. We're not going to get into that. But simply put, God ha may have this destiny for you. And all you gotta do is step on the path of pursuing God and that destiny will play out for you. And God is big enough to, to move and to, to hold you in the palm of his hand as you pursue him. Another verse that as we go on in Romans 8, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? When I read these verses as I was getting into studying God's word, to me this was, this was so encouraging. This is so empowering. I said, if I have the creator, the creator of the world at my back, he's got me in the palm of his hand. If he's on my side, I could go conquer the world. 
right? Even though there's a lot of scary things out there, if I'm on the right side of this thing, if I'm on God's side and he's got my back, who could be against me, right? Government can't be against me. Man can't be against me. My wife can't be against me. I'm just kidding. She's sometimes there. God put her there as the second Holy Spirit to remind me of all the things that I need to grow up in. That's a gift, though, by the way. That's, why, that's called fellowship. Not only do we have that in marriage, we have that in the church as well, right? We do need correction sometimes. We do need to be held accountable. But it's in love. It's in love as we grow up to be more and more like Christ. And if God is for us, who can be against us in this world? And here's the promise. Last verse, Jeremiah 29, 13. If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. My question to you is, is have, have you been pursuing God wholeheartedly? Maybe you haven't trusted Jesus yet and you really haven't taken the time to search out these facts and truths. Search out the, the things of God. Maybe you've quit going to church. Maybe you've fallen out of your faith. Do you feel like you can't see God or feel God in your life anymore? My question for you is, will you pursue him wholeheartedly? What do you have to lose? Again, as I said, you might lose a selfish life. But you will gain an eternity of joy and of abundant life. If you're here today and you're, you're already a, tr a believer in Jesus, but you're maybe stuck in one of those, those areas, like I, I've trusted in Jesus, but I, my life hasn't grown much past then. Well, that's why we're here. That's why we exist is to help you pursue God, to help you understand the truths of the Bible, to get you involved with a mentor or in a small group or get you uh, on, on mission, in the game, find a place to serve. That's why the church exists. Or maybe you're here today and you say, you know what, I've been doing those things, but I haven't stepped out in faith and shared, shared God with anybody lately. Maybe I can start this pursuit with someone else now. Maybe I can walk along with someone else because my faith is secure, but maybe somebody else I love isn't. I would encourage you and challenge you to take this challenge to pursue God, whether it's with us or whether it's another person. I would challenge you to do that today. Would you guys pray with me? Father, we thank you for your truth. We thank you for your words for your challenges, for your corrections, for your giftings, for your blessing. God, I pray for everyone in this room today that you would well up in their heart and ask them to start considering these matters. Quit stuffing them down and trying to forget about them. God, if you are really pulling and pursuing them, Father, I pray that you would make it so that they can't, they can't help but to pursue you back because ultimately we need you. We can't do this in our own power. This is not a, a, a religion of step-by-step -step instructions, but we need you ultimately to come into our hearts and our lives and in our minds, help us to love you and to see the truth. If there's someone here today that hasn't trusted in the goodness, the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ dying for them, I pray that they would take that step of starting a pursuit with you. Today, I pray in Jesus' name, amen.